Hello all, hello all, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. I am your host, Officer and Tuan Thomas, that's me. You already know that. Listen, we have had some great times uh, as we begin to wrap up season um, four. It's been a great season. I've had a lot of great content for you. Season five, it's uh, coming your way. And I'm excited to bring it to you. But before we do that, we do have to talk about the last episode of season four, which was entitled the United States hostage negotiation tactics. And we talked about what uh, the United States does um, or the United States as it pertains to their negotiation tactics. We talked about Brittany Griner. We talked about the Merchant of Death. Went through that whole series. It got a lot of plays on that, over a thousand views on that and good content, good feedback. And so I'm excited about that show. Uh, but today we want to leave the federal government out of it just for a minute. Well, technically, I guess we will be bringing them in, but we won't be throwing any uh, darts at them today. Okay, we're going to give them a break. Uh, but what we will be discussing is something that's very important to many Americans. As we look around the nation, we see that um, the big bus talks around the country is guns, AR-15s, you hear it all the time from the left, talk about AR-15s, we got to ban them, we got to do this. But today's show is not necessarily to um, advocate for guns or to say that we don't want any guns. Today's show is to brighten um, the spectrum of folks who uh, have a mindset to say, listen, if, if I've been in trouble, if I've gone through the criminal justice system and I have some things on my record. Am I able to possess a gun? Am I able to be around guns? So today I have a special guest with me, uh, and we're going to be discussing some very important things. You probably see him right there in the camera shot. He's getting prepared. He's excited to be on today. I would like to just say um, to all the Real Talk listeners out there, I have a special guest, and I want you, okay, virtually to give it up to my buddy, my friend, my brother, Julio Samel. Uh, and if I'm saying that, uh, hopefully, after all giving that huge introduction, I pronounced it right at the end. Uh, because we normally just call him Julio. That's what we do. But Julio, man, I hope you're doing well today. And I hope that you're ready to dive into some good stuff. So once you uh, really brief, tell the listeners of Real Talk, man, they're anxious to know about you. You know, we've been, prompt, you know, we've been uh, uh, pumping this show up. They want to know who you are. So give them um, a little bit of your background, brother. The floor, the camera, the mic, everything is yours. Take it. Hey, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again, my friend, for having me on this awesome show. You know, I've been anticipating this all month long, um, not just for my comments, but for uh, the feedback and yeah. for information, that is. Um, for your listening viewers, I am Julio Samuel. Um, uh, real briefly, um, just to give you a little bio, um, I, I currently work Durham County Government. Um, I'm a senior maintenance technician in Durham County Government. I actually also own a home improvement service also. Um, to highlight the um, 
the government job in my own business will be to give you the, um, uh, I guess, the <coughs> business, uh, my past. Um, 1994, I was, a, uh, I was convicted um, uh, of a felony. Um, actually went and served my time. Did 18 years, that is, straight. Mm. For those who do, do not know what that is, it's 18 years, day after day. But um, um, as you can see from then to now, that enhanced uh, what's making this this uh, show that much more important. And that's why um, um, I thank my friend for actually bringing up the topic and bring, bringing it to the table because I think it's very important um, to know that not um, not everyone who has been convicted of a felon um, is still living the same life or still in that lifestyle. Um, uh, there are others uh, like myself who law abiding, who pay their taxes. Shoot, we pay our tithes. Uh, we own homes, we own automobiles. Um, 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 we do charity work. Uh, we give back to our community. Um, um, and uh, as you can see, um, just built a new home also. Um, so it's it's not. I'm not want to. I don't really want to highlight the accomplishments, but I really want to highlight the accomplishments because it goes in part to show that um, the past for some of us it's just the past. Again, that's why this show is important because this is a part of the past uh, that won't allow uh, some of us to be what America calls the free people. And free people are able to bear arms. That's absolutely correct. No, great intro. And we cannot forget or we will be remiss to add that this accomplished gentleman went from the prison system to free society to becoming a ordained elder. And let me tell you, the brother is anointed. He also sings. We sing together. He's also, again, a preacher, a husband, a father. Uh, he's had some challenges that he faced even after um, he left the prison system years ago. He experienced a very tragic situation that I will be very brief with, but he lost uh, his daughter to, a, um, to gun violence. It was very brutal, and this man overcame that. He's still dealing with it, uh, he and his family, rightfully so, but he's a strong individual. He's always smiling. He's a great a uh, friend of my family, my mother and father, my sister, we all uh, enjoy and love him as well as his wife. My mom is a big fan of his wife. She loves him. She loves her, excuse me. But what today we want to do, we want to dive right into our conversation and, and, and Julio led the way. But I got to stop you and say, man, you actually put this together. You didn't know that. But a uh, couple months back, Julio reached out to me. He had a great conversation with some brothers of his. And I'll let you do the honors of explaining that, Julio. But he called me one day, and uh, unfortunately, I wasn't available at that moment. They were in a good, not a heated debate, but they were in a good debate at work talking about uh, convicted felons and being one himself and uh, being around firearms as his wife is a uh, legally, rightfully gun-toting uh, woman who also happens to... Um, have her concealed. I ain't going to show you a picture of her so you'll know when you see her on the street. Just don't mess with her because she's packing, okay? But today, uh, Julio thought it was very important to have the discussion because it is one that we have to talk about. He wants to make sure not only is he within the law, 
uh, being around guns. We'll talk about what more that explains and just people in general. And so I thought this would be a great show to air this nationally, let people understand what's going on. So Julio, kind of explain to us uh, what was that, that, that debate or that topic of discussion about on that beautiful um, weekday? insight on some of the rights that I am still a human. 
are still those who come out they're human <clears throat> and that's the point of this this show um um about the right to bear arms whether you're convicted felon whether you're uh, uh, been through the system um and i want to be clear before we really dive into this i have no way shape or form um advocating for the right that we all just go grab guns and we just uh uh just bear our arms and just walk down the street that's not what i'm saying <coughs> i do believe that all americans should be able to bear the right um to bear guns and my position on that is clearly the laws the 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 the, the second amendment clearly tells us about uh um the right to bear arms and it clearly tells us uh, about the American people I'm American people I'm a law-abiding I'm a law-abiding and this is just makes it clear law-abiding American people to bear arms but with the laws stomp the way they are and the way um, things are going in the land everyone has a right mm-hmm. everyone has a right whether how crazy it is um, and I'm going to bring something to the table right quick, Thompson, uh, if you don't mind. Go right and ahead. I don't, I don't want the listeners to, um, I don't want you to, to miss my point or where I'm going to I, I just want to make an example, but I don't want you to miss the point because I'm going to touch on something that's probably touchy to some people. We're living the day and the time now where um, we know this is common sense. Biology 101, man could never have a baby. Man could never have a baby. That's biology 101. First of all, I don't know where it's going to come from. Who's going to nurse the child? Correct. All right. But because that man, now don't miss my point, because of that man feels or thinks in his mind that he is a woman. He thinks this. The government clearly is in support of this, and they're giving them rights. They are rights, they're protection rights for him to feel that way and think that way. I don't just think that I have the right to protect myself. I know I have the right to protect myself. When I got married, when I got married, that's one of the things that I promised to do, to protect them. They don't. Mm-hmm. If someone was to come through that window right now, my job, I own, I'm a, I'm a homeowner. I'm a homeowner, and I'm a married man. My job is first is to protect my family. We don't live in the days anymore where folks are kicking in doors with crowbars. Crowbars and, and nunchucks are being used to, 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 no, no, no. People are toting guns now. The only, there's two people who are never going to give up them guns. And you know this because you're an officer. One is the officers and one is the streets. Those on the streets, there's two people that are never going to get the guns out. How am I to, to defend or protect my own property? Because of something that happened when I was 17 that I chose to use a gun. 
should I? Should the should there be a law about uh, about barrels? Of course, okay, everyone can't. But the point that we was trying to make is how long does that last? Is that for the rest of my life? I'm not able to protect myself. For the rest of your life, you're not able to protect yourself or your family or your home. That's where we're at at the crossroads as with the law. The Second Amendment, let me, I have to say this. The Second Amendment, the Supreme Court established that right to keep and bear arms in an individual, uh, individual right unrelated to status and militia. Militia. Oh, the, the, the Second Amendment tells us uh, about the term militia. Militia is relegated as the term mentioned, mentioned in the Second Amendment. Um, the militia is like a American people. It's a group, a, a whole. I'm American people. As I, as I stated earlier, I'm a taxpayer. I'm a homeowner. I, I do charity work. I pay my tithes. I do. I, I am, if there was a model for um, American or a, an American um, uh, 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 a real American I will be the model for a real American because I go to work and this is the thing that made America going to work come home take care of business and paying your, paying your taxes I do those things that and hence that's the that this is what I before we really get deep into this, that's what I want people to remember. Um and keep in mind as we get into this that I'm just as human. There are other guys in positions just like I am. We're just as human as you are. We I think me personally, I think that with some restraints and re, um um there's some things that can be put in place. Who? Me personally, I don't think, I don't, If even if I couldn't bear arms out in the street, something should be, I should be able to at least protect my own property, protect my own family. So if there was, if I was legally able to protect my home, that right there will say a lot. So I don't just think in my head that I have the right to protect my family, I made a promise. I made an oath that I would protect them by any means necessary. To protect my own. To protect that's that's this is the, the Second Amendment. And I want to be so people understand. The Second Amendment was literally founded on, on this one thing. That if government was to be overturned. Government was to be overturned, uh, tyranny. Someone overturned it, that the American people will have a have a chance to guard themselves. You have to protect yourself. If this is what that was founded on, that if if the government just so happened turned on the people, that the people will have a defense. Now, we have branched off. 
other than what the the amendment uh, was founded on. We're branched off and, and made it where this person can't have it, this person can't have it. But the founding, the founding fathers knew that it was important to put this in, that all people, American people, had the right. Because if you don't have protection, then you're, you're sitting up for anyone. And we don't live in that kind of time now where we can walk down the street and leave the doors open. We don't live in that time now. You being an officer, Officer Thomas, I'm sure that you don't walk up on many uh, scenes. I'm sure you walked up on many scenes um, where a uh, gun was used, probably someone kicked in someone's door, robbed or whatever, and the people, the victims, said or knew if I had a gun, I could have did I could have protected my own. I could have protected my child. I could have protected. I could have protected. But this is all in part. This is all in part of being able to exercise the right. And my position is being able to exercise the same right that any free American, because I'm I'm free. I have the I have the right. I I can vote. I can vote. People who can change laws of this world. I have the right to vote. But I don't have the right to protect myself. Something clearly enough. And that's what we're trying to get to. Very well stated. All that is accurate. You did a beautiful job. If you were in court, your argument will would reign true to the jury or to the judge, to the defense and to the prosecution. All that is relevant. Um, I love every bit of it. That is an arguable point. Um, and you're correct. You have the right to vote. And the law states a person who is, has not been convicted of a felony that is currently in prison or jail has the right to vote. One of the greatest things that we've been given as American, uh, you're correct, Americans is the right to vote. Power to change laws, change people's mindsets, and to change administrations all the way down from local to the uh, presidential level. You're correct. And two of the greatest things and responsibility uh, that God's given human nature that he has allowed us to be able to help him and aid, obviously he creates life, but to be the one on the end uh, of that childbirth. And I'm speaking of the doctor. That is the greatest gift to be able to perform a childbirth. And in my opinion, the second greatest, I wouldn't necessarily call it a gift, but a um a power that is granted again by God and by the government to take life, to take life. So you got a doctor who helps give life because he doesn't give life or, or she, but they help the life comes, uh, come into uh, fruition, right? As it pertains to childbirth. And then you have a, uh, I'll put myself in those shoes, a police officer who is granted the most, the most highest level of authority. And that is uh, here in North Carolina. And I'm quoting the general statute, general statute, uh, 14401, okay, uh, 15A, excuse me, I messed that up, 15A, 401D2 says that we have the right, we have the authority to defend ourselves and another person from what we, we reasonably believe to be the imminent, imminent use that is happening right now, right? That means something is going down right now. Like you stated, protecting your home, protecting a person that's out uh, in the midst of being robbed, whatever it is. 
when their life is threatened, we have the right to take life, correct? And so you fast forward to all what you're saying, um, should a convicted felon be able, uh, and, and let's stick on that moment right there, be able to protect their home, property, and people uh, within that home. We're not talking about going out to the grocery store and carrying it concealed or just holding the gun out, just being able to uh, legally have a gun nearby. But, you know, one of the greatest things that we look at is that uh, in America, we can speak, that's where we're at, to every reaction, there's a consequence. So I think where the government um, went with this, they said, well, listen, if somebody commit the highest penalty in our court of law as it pertains to criminal uh, laws and criminal charges, you look at misdemeanors and felonies. We know that felonies are your high crimes, correct? So they figured there has to be a punishment. Now, we're going to let them out on parole. We're going to give them an opportunity to go uh, be released back into society, but what we don't want them to do is possess a gun. And not every crime that is a high felony has been committed with the gun, right? Um, but what we do know is that's what they stated. Now, do we believe there should be some changes? We're going to be talking about uh, what happened and how that law actually came about um, and how it was retroactive uh, and it was imputed on a subject that we're going to be talking about by the name of Whitaker, State versus Whitaker. It's a North Carolina Supreme Court case. We'll dive into that. But you brought up some great points. And so can your spouse, whether male or female, legally own a gun if they're married to a felon? So should they give up their rights as a, you hit that on the nail? And the answer to that is no, not at all. Um, the obligation lies uh, to the convicted felon as it pertains to them um, being around a gun. So if your wife, in fact, owns guns and they're locked away, she has a safe, you don't have the code, you don't have a key, uh, you have no means, you have no way of getting to those weapons in time of need. Now, one would say in time of need, I'm going to do all I can. And there's three burglars coming in. I have two kids in the bed sleeping. If my wife has a gun or let's say it's in the drawer somewhere on her side, nightstand, and at that time, let's say she's in the shower. She don't even know what's going on. If you pick up that gun and kill them, will you ultimately face that uh, ultimate penalty? And and I'm going to go out and venture out and say the answer will be absolutely You're going to be tried. They're going to look at that situation. You know, we're in the world of suing. Uh, as you know, the law is gray. That's why people always ask, why does it mean to be gray? There's a lot of loopholes. There's a lot of interpretations going on. Um, and you have to remember that a judge is a human, a lawyer is a human, a cop's a human. So everybody's interpreting, interpreting these things from the criminal law and from what they have learned and from, and from law enforcement uh, um, experience, what we have dealt with in our law enforcement career. So we're trying to mesh that all together. Of course, that is why we have the great um, constitution that allows every person a right to a speedy trial, right? And that be tried by their peers, their jurors. And those are the people at that fact, when all those evidences are in there, will uh, come to play and find out if they believe in their heart. And I'm telling you, with a defense like you got, um, Julio, uh, some, I would venture out to say some jurors would, would say, you know what? This man brings up a great argument. But we're not here, like you said, to advocate for the pushing of guns for felons or not to have it. But we want to shed light on what we need to know in the event that we uh, are um, posed with these situations, right? So you, you've you hit it on the nail. You talked about your wife. You talked about how your uh, co-worker said, well, you shouldn't even be around guns. Well, my personal opinion as we look at that is uh, when you're on public property, let's say you're inside of a mall, 
Okay, you're inside of a grocery store. Common sense says, no, I'm not going to possess a gun. Now, if your wife is with you in the same store, absolutely, she has that right. Her rights has not been infringed. Her rights are not taken away because her husband, because she said, yes, I do. Uh, I want to marry him. Her rights do not go away. You are 100% um, correct as it pertains to that. And when you look at the facts also, riding in the vehicle with your wife and she's having guns and let's say it's locked away in her uh, glo glove compartment. Let's talk about that key, point, uh, that key point for just a second. It's locked away in her glove compartment. Do you have a legal right if you have a truck to ride in the bed of the truck or, or, or sit in the back seat? Or can you be up front with the gun that's locked away in the glove compartment or the console, the middle console? And the answer to that, again, laws are great, case-by-case case scenario. But no, you don't have to jump in a separate car just because your wife's carrying a gun. Now, can you access that weapon, possibly, if that is unlocked? Possibly. Those are hearsay. Those are all uh, what-if situations, right? Those are not situations where we can say in the moment, will you do it? It's going to be based on however your life is threatened and the level of that, right? So we can't speak on that. But what we can talk about is that you do have obligations as a convicted felon to follow those rules, which it says what? Cannot possess or own a gun. And we're going to talk about exactly, or, or let me back up and say firearms, because that's what the broad catch is. And I'm going to be explaining exactly what the state and the laws believe a firearm is, okay? We'll talk about that really brief, but in case I mess around and skip around, let's talk about it now. And speaking of any weapon that can fire a projectile, that includes silencers, that includes um, your high-profile pro guns, your ARs, anything that can shoot a projectile out, anything that um, goes bang, right, and then somebody's capacitated or shot, whatever it may be. Firearms, that means you cannot legally possess it. So Julia, along with many others around the country, cannot go to a gun store legally and purchase a gun. Now, uh, they're going to be stopped at the front door. Why? Because number one, to even purchase a firearm here in North Carolina, you need what we call a pistol permit. And that is given and granted by your local sheriff's office. So they stop you right there at the door if you don't have that particular um if you don't meet those qualifications, uh, one would already know that they wouldn't meet them, so they wouldn't try to possess a gun. Now, let's talk about people buying illegal guns off the street. Can you do that? Absolutely. You better believe a person who's selling guns on the street don't ask for a pistol permit, don't ask to see your ID. They, you know, So we know that. We see that a lot. Um, that, that happens all around the world as it pertains to gang violence and people who cannot legally possess guns. We're not talking about those people. What we're talking about is people who, like Julio, is a law-abiding homeowner, entrepreneur, Christian, a father, a husband, uh, a good neighbor, just a good Samaritan, a good steward. He's going out and doing the right things. He wants to know why is it um, that he cannot protect his home, not protect uh, Walmart. He said protect his home. And those questions have to be posed uh, when the time comes, meaning... Uh, Pray never happens, but in that moment. And I would like to venture out to say Julia is going to do everything in his power to make sure that uh, he and others, uh, definitely family, is protected. But what I want to move on to, because we have a lot of great things to discuss, and I know that there's so much uh, in this particular episode, but we've got to get it out. Uh, I'm actually going to move around a bit so that we can kind of get to those areas. So if I left um, a stone unturned as it pertaining to 
being around firearms if your spouse is riding the vehicle and he or she, we'll even talk about the male now, we'll reverse it. The female is convicted felon, the husband's not, and he's concealing his weapon on his person and they're riding in the same vehicle, heading out of state, okay? Uh, which he knows those different laws change within each state as it pertains to conceal. But does she have an obligation to leave or catch the train, airplane, riding a separate car? And the answer again, just wanna be clear on that. The answer is no. Now, if he lays his gun on the console and say, baby, I'm running into the store. If something goes down, here you go. You got the gun. She's in possession of that gun. And we're going to talk about some great things. There's two things we want to mention that the law talks about. Constructive possession and actual possession. We're going to be hitting those on the nail today, um, Brother Julio, so that our listeners will be able to have a clear and concise uh, understanding of that. Because those two are very big. So, like I stated before, if you are around someone um, who has guns, let's talk about the spouse first. You better make sure that you don't have access to that. Now, however that happens when the heat of the moment comes, uh, that's on you. However, you must do everything in your power to make sure you don't know, you don't have access to them, you don't know where they're located at. Now, one would say, okay, well, let's talk about this. How would uh, a law enforcement officer ever know? Well, you just, those are the moments that you're right about. You never know. Well, they go out and just randomly get a search warrant on the house. They say, you know what? This is Julio's house. Let me go check and make sure. No, we, we can't do that. And legally, no judge that I know in their right mind or DA will even grant such a warrant. But you still have to use common sense. And yes, um, here in North Carolina, Julio, too, we have something called the Castle Doctrine. You ever heard of that before? Okay, so you're probably familiar with how that castle doctrine works. Basically, to boil it all down, your castle is your home. Uh, my girlfriend's Spanish, so she taught me the word uh, la casa, which means home as well. So your home is your castle, which means everything in that home, person's property, you have a right to defend that, right? You know, back in the day, people used to say, well, you know, if somebody tries to break in your house, and even though they didn't physically break the threshold, you would have to... Uh, shoot them and drag them in the house so that the police, when they show up, uh, it looks legit. You know, those things, uh, I've always heard that. I I've heard that as law enforcement as well. But the thing about that, and I know we're going off topic for a minute, but you have to make sure when people say that, I always stop them in their tracks. I say, well, listen, if someone is attempting to break in your house and they haven't brandished a weapon, let's just say they own drugs and they try to kick your door open. Do you have a legal right to shoot them? Wherever your life feels threatened, that is at the point you can use deadly force. Nobody can make that decision for you. Now, it behooves you to make sure that, that person is, in fact, attempting to do harm, uh, which, how would you know? Because uh, someone might say, well, just a kick, just a loud bang, a loud knock at the door scares me. Let's say a woman lives by herself, and she may feel threatened. And by as long as she's able, and we use a phrase in law enforcement called articulation, as long as they can articulate that, um, they will be fine. Of course, the jury's going to make that decision and the judge on whether they believe uh, with a clear conscience that they did it in right uh, frame of mind and they did it legally within the law. But I want to throw that in there. But what I want to talk about, Julio, and you, and you stop me if you have any questions, but even the trunk, the trunk compartment, let's talk about the trunk. If your wife uh, has an AR-15 and she has a firearm because she has a conceal in her purse, okay, uh, within the car, but her AR-15 is in the trunk, do you technically have possession of it? Can you reach for that weapon or do you need to get out of the car, pop the trunk, 
obviously the car is not in motion to get said weapon to use it on someone. So are you actually, in fact, in possession of that firearm? In your opinion, what would you say? I would agree, and I think the law would even say that you're correct as it pertains to that because when you look at it, uh, any time a person doesn't have immediate access to a weapon, uh, we consider that not being what we call uh, in the possession of. But I want to hit some key facts like I told you. Let's talk about what exactly, because here in the Real Show, um, Real Talk, I got to do a disclaimer. We know that I never want to insult anybody, but I do want to make sure that when we're speaking of legal jargon, we're speaking of legal terms or anything that is factual, we want to make sure we have the right information and we want to make sure also that we define what these terms are. And I'm not insulting anybody's intelligence, but sometimes people uh, haven't had the opportunity to look up words or something that they never thought about looking up. I'm a researcher. I know you are yourself. And we like to make sure we have the correct facts. So I'm skimming down um, as it pertains to my notes because I want to get down and dirty with what we got to talk about. And what I want to hit first is uh, constructive possession. So what exactly, one might say, what is constructive possession uh, or actual possession of a firearm? So this requires that a defendant has physical, okay, uh, personal custody of a firearm. We're speaking of firearms now at this moment, okay? We're not going to talk about constructive possession of snicker bars and, you know, anything of that nature. We're talking about Firearms, right? So a personal custody of a firearm. In co contrast, the defendant has constructive possession of that firearm when the weapon is not in a defendant's, guess what, um, immediate area there, right? Uh, if, the, if the firearm is not in their immediate custody. But a defendant is aware of its presence and has both, watch this, the power and the intent to control its position, its disposition, or the use, okay? So that's what we're looking at as it pertains to um, actual possession of a firearm. Now, everyone knows on Real Talk, like I stated, we got to have the intelligent talk. We got to be able to bring out the legal jargon. So there's another couple of things I want to talk about. Exclusive possession, because I'm going to be reading the court case here in just a moment, and we're going to talk about some legal things, and I got some information from a buddy of mine who is an attorney and he also happens to be a police officer. So I got some of those questions to uh, answer for you, Julio, but three things we want to hit. Exclusive control, okay? Uh, well, actually, I should say two. Exclusive and control. But first, I want to tell you exactly what exclusive means, okay? And that is the restricted or limited to just one person, right? So when you look at exclusive, what do you consider that to be? A complete a totality, right? Absolute, the entire, when somebody says, uh, I have exclusive possession of a home, that means that this is all mine. There ain't nobody that's added to it. This is all mine. It's complete. It's full, right? Uh, here goes another one, too. Two favorites we hear about, soul and only, right? Soul, S-O-L-E, not S-O-U-L, okay? Control. What does control mean? It means to have that power, right? That authority, that command, that dominance. Uh, and lastly, I added the jurisdiction over something, right? When you have power and control, you own someone, right? You have the manipulation powers to uh, make them do things. So when you're in control of a gun, obviously a gun does not fire without a finger mechanism, finger pull, finger uh, trigger pull, right? So you're in control of that weapon. Um, that's the only way it can happen. 
Now, when you look at uh, possession of a firearm by felon, we have to dive into exactly what that is. So the Felony Firearms Act, that's what that is, in North Carolina makes it illegal, which is what you were speaking of early, uh, earlier, Julia, for anyone who has ever been convicted of a felony to possess a gun and or a weapon of mass destruction. And you know what a mass destruction is. We're talking about explosives. We're talking about C4, things that can do great bodily harm to all the real talk listeners. Again, Julia and I, we're not insulting. We're telling you. Go ahead, brother. Now, while you're right there and you're explaining that, I want to make sure you get your listeners to remember these points that, um, the points that I want to highlight. I just, this is about um, um, just being informed. Won't be informed. Um, we'd love to get something done, but just to be informed, um, um, and I think it's important uh, for me to bring this because I want you. While you reading that, while you reading that, uh, I want to make sure that uh, while you labeling off and defining each one of these um, uh, characters. Uh, uh, of possession um, or intent, I want to make sure that the listeners remember what uh, what the opposition is concerned about. The opposition is me. All I can do is literally go back to what the founding fathers of, because all I'm talking about is a human right. So all I'm talking about is a human right. The founding fathers felt that citizens should be able to protect themselves against government. Remember what I said before? That if the government was to be, just be overturned or the government turned on the people. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why uh, they felt that the people should be able to bear on themselves, uh, be able to protect themselves against the government and any other threat to their well-being or personal freedom. The Second Amendment granted citizens that right, that's giving correct. them the ability to give. Huh? I said that's correct. Yeah, giving them the ability to defend themselves and their property. It's broad. I'm born American. Um, um, the things that America asks for. Um, to be able to uh, 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 to be granted some of these things as far as voting, um, uh, qualifications for everything that we do um, that that uh, that requires government oversight, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, this all pertains to everyone. Your taxpayer. I have to use that because it's one of the biggest things that the American people. Definitely you. Do you pay your taxes? Yes. Are you a law-abiding citizen? Yes. You don't work every day? Yes. Do you have a family in a home? Yes. Have property also? Yes. All we all all the position opposition is asking is is it right to lose the one thing that I know I have? I don't need to be told that you 
except somebody try to harm you. That's basic one-on-one. I have the right to defend myself. Now, whether that is with a gun or a pen or a knife, whatever is handy, but we know in this day, a lot of crimes are not getting done by nunchucks and chains and brass knuckles. Correct. They're not. They're not. Um, so when you're labeling off these things, I want the, 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 I want the listeners to just remember what, what the opposition is saying. So forever, the rest of my days, I don't have the right, the legal right to protect myself in my own home. Reason why a lot of this uh, is so relevant because a lot of women, men and women, um, because men are not the only ones that's, that's had a background, who's, who's been to jail, been to prison, um, and they're a significant other, uh, uh, exercises the right to bear arms. That's man and woman. But your significant other should, she could, she or he shouldn't lose the right uh, to exercise their right to bear arms because you were a convicted felon back in 2001 or 1944. I mean, you you have cases where the guy committed, uh, he was a, a convicted felon 60 years ago. And mm-hmm. to this day, he still can't defend himself. Still can't do it. He still got to get behind somebody else to defend him if someone used weapons. And what I mean by weapons, we're talking about guns here. We're talking so about when I say weapons, let's just be clear, we're talking about guns, firearms. And I'm talking about sticks and stones, we're talking about firearms. So he still literally has to hide behind someone else who has the right to bear arms. And a lot of times, you just don't. And I want to highlight some of the things, I want to highlight two or three just um, examples of how um, how it looks. Because of the way the law is stated, you mean to tell me while I'm in the line at the store and the man in front of me is packing his weapon, but because I don't supposed to be around, I got to go six rows back? Sounds redundant, but we have, we have, we have, we have officers, um, um, and you know, I support officers, but we have in certain cases and we have in certain, certain towns and states and cities where people that know, uh, 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 like if I go back home, I use myself as example. I go back home, back up to the mountains and, and, and if someone that's on the force know of, uh, of me from back in 1990, oh yeah, and he wanted to be a jerk, you know, real talk. Real talk. If he wants, it's real talk. If he wants to be a jerk and just pull me over, and you know, he knows that oh, I'm in line, and you know, what I mean? you're not supposed to be around guns, even though it may get settled um, later. But look what I had to go through just because of something that happened 40 years ago. This is what we're talking about. That everybody else has the right to feel whole and be treated as such and such. But the man that the convicted, because there's a lot of there's a lot of women out here. Um, there's a lot of women out here that's dating guys, 
and I'm speaking, uh, you know, I'm just the voice and speak for uh, uh, not just uh, the urban, but the suburban and the streets. Um, um, there's a lot of street cats um, who, who, who has relations and girlfriends and wives who are gone gun owners. But because of their past, it's, yo, man, it's, we can't go here, we can't go there. That's limited me to my free life, my freedom. So we we we, we get into that. When do I get to my freedom? I didn't, again, again, we're not speaking on talking guns around the street. That's not uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. That's not what we're saying because uh, I have more sense than that. Um, not everybody need to have a gun. Period. I know that. Um, there's people that I know, uh, uh, they should, they, they, they should, they should be able to get a knife or uh, an arrow uh, that I know. Um, but I do think that, um, uh, the government should look at this a little bit closer because, um, one of the things that is really, um, it's really pressing and it's nerve wracking to see to see nonsense get protection. We live in we living in a time now where nonsense is getting protection from uh, uh, from government, and this is real life right here. This is real life what we're talking about. Um, um, there is no um, um, uh, freedom um, if if there's no life. Someone's got to be living, but if, if everyone is at the mercy of the criminal, if everyone's at the mercy of the criminal, then what kind of life is that? So I'm at the mercy of the criminal. But the, to, to make sure that, you know, the viewers know, we're not talking about packing guns around the street. We're talking about being able to protect your own home, at least. Some things need to be revised um, because... Um, as I stated previously, a lot of folks and a lot of things that has no business of, uh, to me, real talk. It's a lot of nonsense that's getting protection. A lot of nonsense that's getting a whole lot of laws. But the one thing you can't, if you're not living, you there is no protection. You have to be living to get protection. You're just like any funding. Mm-hmm. Just like any funding. Before you get a fund, you got to be living, first of all. But if I'm at the mercy of anybody, if I'm at the mercy of anybody, and I have not only have the simple right to protect myself in my own home, that's what that's what this boils down to. Mm-hmm. That's what this boils down to. Just the simple right. Just the simple right to protect yourself in your own home. Well, you can start with that. And now, of course, I, I believe that you, yeah, there should be some stipulations. There should be some there should be uh, requirements um, uh, that go into that. But that ain't something that we can't, you know, that folks can't sit down at, at the table and and, 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 and and you know revise or go over, bring it to the table. I think that everyone should be able to protect their own home, whether that's a apartment, a cabin, a house, protect your own home. 
the the law says without infringement from the government. The law says that. But I can't use it because somehow another law came in and said, well, this is what we did. And I know you're going to touch on that. Um, you're going to touch on that on why uh, that was created. Uh, other law for uh, misdemeanor and felon. So I know you're going to touch on that. But uh, uh, that's where we at. And that's our position. Let's just start with the simple thing. I just want, to, I just want the right to be able lawfully to protect my own property lawfully. If I had lawfully. a farm, if I had a farm, how can I get the wolves out off from the uh, from my cattle? I'm gonna go out there and run them out with a stick. I'm gonna eat up. Yeah, but because you you know you you had a, you had a felony when you were 16 years old, and then you almost 50. No, no, you still can't. Just basic. Just basic. And the reason why this is probably a good time as any, if you're giving out protection for nonsense all over the world, then why not give out protection, give out protection for common sense? But you show giving that the government is show giving plenty protection out for nonsense. So let it can we can we just get some protection for common sense? Your argument is very, and, and again, it will never, ever, I don't think, uh, go away. I think you should um, definitely be a voice of advocacy as it pertains to that. Because what, So what you got going on, the reason why you see so much corruption <clears throat> as it pertains to giving uh, rights to different um, groups, as you look at LGBTQ and you look at the transgenderism and all this stuff and People, like you stated, want to have babies, men, um, babies. They have fought and fought. As you know, you know this because we've talked about it even in the, in, in the church setting, how they have been advocating for years and years and years to be a part of what? The Civil Rights uh, Act, right? Which really encompasses uh, minorities, correct? To be able to uh, legally have the same rights afforded to them as um other different Americans, and, and obviously those would be white Americans, right? That is what our uh, uh, our folks did for us, Dr. King and all the rest. We know that, and I'm not going to insult anybody there. But they have been able to add themselves and group themselves to that, and it has been a big voice. Their voices, we got to admit, is large. And yes, there are a lot of people that feel the same way as you. What I'm thinking, Julie, Julio, is the fact is, it looks like we got some questions in the chat. By the way, Julio, we are live, believe it or not. Earlier today, we thought that uh, we would just go and record, but I'm going to be honest. Somehow, Julio, we went live, and that's probably on my end. So people are watching, brother. Um, just to let you know, uh, I, I noticed that a little bit later on in the show. I'm like, this is supposed to be a pre-recorded show. However, we're live. I just want to throw that disclaimer out there so you can give live shout-outs because uh, we're on the air. Now, whether that was meant to be or not, it happened. We're here. Can't take it back. But what I will say is that that is what's going on, Julia. And I think that is something in a conversation that you need to gather some folks that are like-minded like you that are in the same boat. And y'all need to get down to the North Carolina General Assembly and start advocating for some rights. And I get what you're saying. And I think many people 
who feel the same way on my end with agree with what you're saying. It is. It should be given that right. But we have to go back to what I stated earlier because that's what's on the books now. They believe that the highest crime that people can commit is a felony. So they always, no matter if they say you're on parole, you're a free man, you don't have to worry about being checked on, you don't have to check in with us when you get a new job, when you're traveling. But what they say, we still want an eye on you. And how can we get that eye on you? We can stop you from possessing one of the most greatest tools that humankind has ever created, and that's a firearm. And so that is where it's at, and you're 100%. I think you need to uh, literally build a coalition and start to fight for that right because I totally agree. And I think, again, like-minded people will agree. Your argument is strong, and it makes sense. And uh, But it's going to take people like you. It's not going to be people that are uh, thugs and people who don't abide by the law. We need law-abiding citizens to go along with you and fight this uh, good fight. So what I do want to do real quick is uh, define exactly, I know I said it earlier, but a firearm. And so that includes the weapons of any firearm that is a muffler, a silencer, a starter of a gun, uh, even antique weapons. Now, under this law, as you know, Julia, even antique guns and antique replicas that cannot uh, use fixed ammunition do not count, Okay. So as long as they do not uh, fire projectiles that can't be used anymore, we're talking about Civil War guns and things like that, then yes, there's a, those are not part of your firearms. But if they can actually still shoot a projectile, that is considered, and I have seen where uh, folks have gotten caught up in this, okay, within my law enforcement career because they had an antique gun that was given to them that didn't have a serial number on it or whether it was uh, handed over or, as we say, uh, inherited. They thought they were in um, legal standing. But no, if that thing still shoots, okay, uh, it is considered a firearm. Now, what I wanted to discuss earlier um, as it pertains to the 1995 uh, law that had took place. So let's talk about this. So prior to 1995, what happened was there was a statute that was uh, made illegal for a person who was convicted of a felony to possess a firearm. So back in 1995, um, within five years, because you know back then they had years of ramifications on it. So it's just like drug charges. You know, you go for a job and they tell you, if you have you smoked marijuana in this So to bring it to speed, within five years of that time of conviction or the completion of that sentence, uh, whichever was later or happened, right? Um, prior, however, in 1995, the North Carolina legislators amended that statute, okay? So what they said was, okay, we won't put any stipulations on the years of conviction, okay? We need to make sure this is a broad, like you talked about earlier, a broad law that um, affects all that has committed felonies, correct? Right, you follow me? So they said regardless of the uh, conviction and how long it had occurred. So in 2004, what they did, they went back to the drawing board and they decided to create a statute um, to take it a step further. So what happens is two exceptions that existed in the Felony Firearms Act that is still allowed, is still, now follow me, still allowed someone convicted of a felony to possess a firearm within his or her own house. And you hear what I'm saying? So this is exactly what we're speaking of. In their own house, not a public place, but in their own house and lawful place of business. So where they what I'm interpreting, you tell me if I'm wrong, where they own that business, that lawful place of business. Now, this brought the statute to where it is today, okay? Um, and now it's a blanket ban. It's exactly what you talked about earlier. It's a blanket ban. covers all. 
So anywhere for any com uh, felony conviction from any time, all right? North Carolina Farms Act makes it illegal for a convicted felon to purchase, own, or possess any firearm. That includes gun parts, silencers, but it does not extend, again, to the antique uh, firearms that was uh, that law which was created. Home. 
uh, was um, uh, a search for marijuana. Of course, they found the gun. Now, this is a gal who was working for the working for the state. He's doing everything they're supposed to do, paying his paying his taxes, law-abiding citizen, uh, 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 charity. And when I'm when I'm talking about charity, um, uh, I want to be clear when I'm talking about charity. Now, charity is in uh, any form. Anytime you roll up to a stop sign, you roll up to a stop sign, and that man standing out there with that sign in his hand, uh, talking about anything to help, that's charity. Now, I don't. It, it may not go down in the books um, for government uh, tax purposes, but it's charity. So I'm, I'm even talking about <coughs> on that level. So when I speak about charity. Uh, um, that's what I mean. I mean to go on that that to that degree. But um, um, as I previously stated, he lost uh, lost a, lost a whole lot of possession with all the break-ins. But because they found this gun, because they found this gun, he lost everything. He lost everything through the searches, uh, through the uh, through getting his home broken into. Then he lost everything because he was convicted felon. Um, and of course, not a violent offender, just get caught with drugs. Finally changed his life around. Just get caught with drugs, think the felon. But because he chose, because there was no protection of his own home, you, society wants convicted felons to be law-abiding, tax-paying citizens. In that pursuit, that this, that this umbrella that people talk about, the pursuit of happiness, to be law-abiding taxpayer, of course, that comes with certain things. Maybe a car, a bank account, a home. These are things that you're going to end up having to protect. But you don't have the single right to legally protect it. Because you convicted felon. You don't have the legal right to protect it, but society wants you to do everything else. And you're doing it. Not because you're doing it for them. You're doing it because your life, your life has changed. Your lifestyle has changed. It's not so much what they're doing. Hey, I don't live that life no more. Now I'm going to go to work, <laughs> 9 to 5, pay my taxes, and I'm going to try to uh, get this thing that they call the pursuit of happiness. But in that pursuit of happiness, I have attained a car, obtained a bank account, obtained a home, uh, obtained a business. But I can't legally protect it while I'm sitting there watching TV, watching a football game. This is just real talk. And this is and and there are thousands of cases. Like I just said, stated about a family member of mine. Thousands of cases like this. Now, of course, he worked for the city. Me. It is, it is what, uh, I went in in 1994. I went in in 1994, got out in 2011. And now I actually have the keys to jails. I have the keys to go in and out of secure government areas at any time. But I 
do not have the legal right to protect my own home. Something's wrong. Yeah, something needs to be revisited. Something needs to be, someone needs to talk about it. And I think, um, uh, I think that's where my uh, passion came in, <coughs> so to speak, for this. It's because no one has <coughs> spoken about it. Mm-hmm. And I believe people have spoken about it, but I don't I just don't think that um, they weren't as vocal. Um, there's some other guys that believe it, like I believe, that there's similar situations as, as I am. Oh, absolutely. I just have to be vocal about, hey, man, something's, like here. something's not right here. Something's not right here. On one hand, I'm able to, one hand, I'm able to legally go into your private sectors and in your jails, and fix them, open them, go inside. And then on, and at my own home, I can't even protect it legally. Yeah. Yeah, something's wrong. Something's need to be revisited. Yes. Yeah. That power has That's been, uh, again, that power that you speak of, again, and, and we have to keep going back to is one of the greatest um, authorities for government, law enforcement, military, and then to the citizens. And that is the right to, again, Second Amendment to bear arms, said that that right would not be infringed on, which it means that it would not be uh, interrupted. It would not be taken away. The government believes that since this is the greatest honor, the greatest, again, they thought so too. They made it the second amendment, the first being freedom of speech, right? So the government says, exactly. Government says still to this day, we believe that they're not totally, and we got to admit it, they're not totally free because they have not. Matter of fact, we pulled that away from them back in uh, 2004, right? And they put the ban, what I just read to you, overall convicted felons say, we now are not going to look at how many years the event, because if that was the case, Julio, you would have been uh, grandfathered into that law that you could have legally possessed a gun. But they stated, you know what? We've got to uh, take that away for all, and it fits all. And unfortunately, we know one size don't always fit all. We understand, and we are believers of that. That's where it is, and I'm convinced with you. There have been other people uh, have talked about it, but I guarantee you, it has not been been a large group that has fought, that has gotten attorneys involved to get in front of the legislations, in front of the our North Carolina General Assembly, and to get uh, these things uh, amended. Okay, you bring up great points. I want to. Do something really quick. I want to give a shout out to Rhonda Jackson. She has left some great comments. Let me tell you what she said earlier. She says, absolutely. It should get talked about much more frequently to get it in the ears of the law changers. Let me tell you, Rhonda Johnson is a a gun advocate. She teaches tactical um, uh, defense as it pertains to firearms, especially for women. So we appreciate what Rhonda says. And at the end, she said, that's a great passion. This is how laws have changed. And I totally agree with you, Rhonda. And Rhonda agrees with me. Uh, you need to form a coalition, Julio, and be one of the front men 
of this uh, coalition in the voice because uh, you are uh, a good speaker, articulate, and you can be able to get points across. And, and we appreciate uh, Reese Weaver. She says, once a felon has been given the right to vote, uh-oh, I think she's agreeing right down your alley. You spoke of it so uh, profoundly earlier. Then they should have the right to bear arms. Yes, there should be certain... Um, I think, I, hold on, she, she's writing more. Certain requirements based on the crime and how long ago that crime was committed. So we're all on the same page with this. And she's exactly right. We'll agree. And you stated that earlier. There should be ramifications. should be checks and balances. Once a felon does not mean they should always be treated as a felon, which is what Julia has been preaching the entire time. And I'm happy to be the one uh, to put some of these things up here so people can see exactly what uh, is being said. And I want you to know, Julio, that at the end of the day, uh, you have people in your corner that are like-minded on both sides of the aisle, whether they're on the left or the right. I'm sure that's people. But I want to read the case real quick while I'm showing uh, these particular. Can you see that on your end, by the way? These great comments up there? By chance? Okay, okay good, good, yeah. good. I'm, I, I like to know that um, that we're doing the right thing here, and uh, we're going to show Rhonda. So let me know if you see Rhonda up there, her comment. I can't see I it. Got, on my... I see it. Oh, beautiful. Now, look, State versus Clark, okay? This here is a North Carolina Supreme Court case. took place in 2003, all right? Oh, I see it now. Okay, it was a little delay on my end. Uh, and this one it talked about, Julio, you're going to like this one. In a situation where one spouse is a prohibited felon, but the other spouse may otherwise lawfully possess a firearm, whether the prohibited spouse or significant other may be prosecuted for, they call it abbreviated with P-O-F-B-F. We know what exactly that means, possession of a firearm by a felon. Depends on the circumstances surrounding the possession. So let's talk about that real brief. If the non-prohibited spouse is actually possessing the firearm, the weapon on their person, we talked about that earlier from my standpoint, but let's see what the 2003 North Carolina Supreme Court case said about it. And merely in the presence of the prohibited spouse, we know what merely means, the prohibited spouse is likely not guilty of possessing a firearm by felon. So here goes your case right here to uh, substantiate um, what we talked about earlier. So you wouldn't necessarily be found guilty of this because your spouse, your wife, uh, is in operation or is in possession of a firearm. Likewise, if the non-prohibited spouse keeps a firearm in their... Oh, look at this. I didn't even read this and we talked and I brought this up earlier. Look how things come together. In their nightstand on their side of the bed, being that if your wife were to do this, she's the non-prohibited, the prohibited spouse probably does not have the requisite intent, speaking of you, to control its use. Now, a court may be likely to find that a non-prohibited spouse gives up their well-established, uh-oh, look at this. Remember, we talked about this earlier as well. Do they have a legal right or has their rights been given or taken away due to what uh -huh. you are? Here it goes in this particular Supreme Court case. The Second Amendment right to self-defense in their home simply because of their spouse's felony conviction. So meaning 
should they put away their guns, lock them away, not keep it on a nightstand because they're sleeping with a felon. However, there is a fine line, and I talked about that earlier, a gray line in the law, right? If the non-prohibited spouse keeps their firearm on the prohibited spouse's side, so let's move it to your side of the bed, okay? Of the bed because they are a better shot. So let's take it that uh, with your wife, I'm sure, is a better shot than you are. We're going to give it to her whether you want to admit it, okay? Um, and you say, well, yeah. let me put the gun. And for these purposes, huh? what would you say? She is. <laughs> she is. And for this particular uh, uh, segment, or I should say section, we're going to put you back in and stating that she's a better shot than you. The, her, the prohibited spouse being you may be guilty of a firearm, uh, possession of a firearm by felon because now that gun has been transferred over to your side. Common sense. And the non-prohibited spouse may be guilty. So your wife can also be guilty of what we call in law enforcement, what the criminal justice calls aiding and abetting, which is nothing more than helping you uh, commit such act, right? So to be sure, however, there are likely many court cases that would apply to a self-defense, going back to your situation, or not your situation, but your comments, bringing up that situation. In the home, principle to the entirety of the home, regardless of someone's status as a convicted felon. Can I read that again for you? Like we say in church, is the church aware and are they listening? Do I need to go to that section? To be sure, however, there are likely many court cases that would apply the self-defense in the home principle to the entirety of the home, regardless of someone's status of, or I should say status as a convicted felon. Simply put, some judges may refuse to allow, that's what I talked about earlier, going back again to great areas, areas within the law and remembering that when I started off the show, what did I say? A judge is a human, a law uh, officer is a human. It says that a judge may not even want to pursue or at least even uh, take on a case of prosecution for possession of firearm by a felon at all when the felon lives with a non-felon. This has not been tested. Now, this is a 2004 case. We're in 23. Um, in this state's appellate courts. However, the Intermediate Appellate Court, North Carolina Court of Appeals, has a Republican supermajority at the time they did, and the judges are very pro-Second Amendment and pro-individual rights. The state Supreme Court recently won a conservative majority. Now, as it pertains to um, our Supreme Court, we actually do have it back as a uh, supermajority in our Supreme Court. That happened on, what, last year's um, election, right? So we did bring it back to a Republican supermajority. But that's besides the fact this was a 2004 Supreme Court case. So the state Supreme Court recently won a conservative uh, majority. So now listen to this. The same constructive possession theory is likely true in a vehicle. If the prohibited uh, spouse is driving, the, the weapon should not be on their side of the vehicle. So if your wife's driving a vehicle, she shouldn't leave her gun on your side, correct? Or vice versa. If the vehicle is the primary one for the non-prohibited spouse, perhaps there is an argument against constructive possession if the non-prohibited spouse is also in the vehicle, <clears throat> which is common sense, makes sense. Now, this argument may be stronger if the weapon is in the center console, which I talked about earlier, the glove compartment, or an area of inaccessible to the driving prohibited spouse. Now, honestly, 
I have not read this, but this is uh, exactly what we talked about earlier. Would you agree? For those who came to the show later, I talked about this earlier. I'm not playing as if I am um, Madlock, but I want you to know that apparently I align with what they're saying because with my training and experience, I've been doing this for 13 years, I know that uh, within the law, you have to use also common sense, right? A lot of the law is common sense, and then you bring these high-profile uh, attorneys in, they're able to dissect this stuff. But that is what the, and I won't read all of it to you, but that is the, if, you, if you're interested, that is the state versus the Clark case. Now, let's move over real quick to, uh, if you don't mind, to state versus Malachi, okay? This was another case that happened within uh, North Carolina. Now, this happened in Mecklenburg, and I don't want to dive uh, all the way into it, but I will say that... Um, what happened here was uh, a gentleman who um, did exactly what we talked about earlier, had a weapon. And, uh, of course, the Mecklenburg Police Department happened, the uh, officer there happened to stop him. And I'm not going to read all into it, but um, this speaks on the matters. Uh, and this happened back in uh, November 16 of 2015, okay? So you can go back and research that. But... Uh, what they spoke about in the ruling is that in overruling defendant's objection, the trial court told the prosecutor that I think the state may have a good argument for actual, but not nothing for constructive. So going back to what I talked about earlier, actual and constructive, two different things. Mm -hmm. So they battled back and forth. Was this man actually in possession of a firearm, in possession of an article, uh, maybe either actual or constructive. So we'll look at this case. They deliberated, the jury deliberated, and uh, possession of firearm. Okay, they talked about what is a conceal and all this stuff. But let's see if I get to the um, decision or to the dissent. But if you have anything to add in there, I know the hour's well spent and we do need to wrap it up. But I will say that um, that's another legal term I want to bring into fact really quick. Something called the ex post facto law, which is what happened with that case I told you about in North Carolina where they amended it. So the ex post facto law, let's listen to what that is real quick. It's a law that was retroactively alters a defendant's right. What was it, what was it called again? It is called ex, -E -X post post facto law. And what is basically, facto. yep, and basically it's referring to a civil or criminal case that has been um, not overturned, but retroactive. So at that time it wasn't uh, in place, but they went back when the laws changed they retroactive that law to that particular guy or said person, which this was a real court case. But that means just exactly what I stated to alter uh, defendant's rights, especially by criminalizing or imposing punishment for an act that was not criminal at the time, right? So retroactive, they went back. That means, obviously we know what that means. Or punishable at the time it was committed by increasing the severity of a crime from its level at the time the crime was committed by increasing the punishment for that crime at the time it was committed or imposed, okay? Or by taking away from the protections, the evidentiary protection afforded the defendant by the law as existed within the acts as it was committed. So look into that. Um, that is something that was very important. You can find that in also the U.S. Constitution in Section 9, Article 1, okay? Um, but when you look at all this, Julio, and I'm going to go back to my talking points here. There's a lot to 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 speak on, and again, I believe you need to get in front of some great people. Um, 
I know some great legislators, uh, very good friends of mine who are serving in the House of Representatives on the Republican side who has uh, very large and important seats. This is a conversation to even see what they even entertain it, okay, in 2023. Um, as long as these laws are in place, Julio, as long as they're are not being amended and people like yourself are not speaking up for it. They're going to remain. And all you're going to be is just a good person to talk about it. But until we can get like-minded people on all sides of the aisle to, again, I'm talking about the Democrats and the Republicans, but like-minded people within this particular avenue to say, yes, this man has brought up a point we never even looked at or thought of. If I have the right to vote, if I have the right to uh, go work at a, a city government and then also have the right and the um, powers, I'm going to use powers for a moment, to have the keys to the city and to the county jail where you once, not at that jail, but once was and by, behind bars. And the whole point is was convicted felon, right? This whole conversation is about that. But now you have the keys, which means that the government said that you are a free man, number one, but number two, we find we and we find and deem you to be a law-abiding citizen. You pass the background checks that you need to pass to be able to even hold a key. Matter of fact, we're taking it a step further. You pass the background checks, and you have passed the legal uh, ramifications to possess the keys to a city vehicle. Okay, let's go talk about that. If you've done all that, and, and then to put the cherry on top of the Sunday, you have a right to vote, okay? Many people believe, like you, you should have the right, and many others that are in your shoes, uh, not to be judged based on um, something that happened back when you was a teenager, which now you know the laws have changed as it pertains uh to teenagers. Now they still look at, uh, and I know we're moving off track, but it's very important to kind of tie into where you was back in step, um, when you were 17 years old. The state thought so much of us, and, and I'm building a story now, and, and again, I should have been a defense attorney. I don't know why I didn't pursue that career, but not condoning any acts that you committed, but the law states now, uh, a lot of people who were like-minded got together and, and challenged and said, we need to build a law based on this. They said that a person that's under age of 18 should have the right to, when they commit a crime, to have a second chance. And they should not be treated as an adult. So, you know, they did. We have something on our books in North Carolina called Raise the Age. Okay. Raise the Age. Uh -huh. Raise, you've heard of that. Raise the Age. Now, it does not, in, uh, as we say, encompass uh, felony charges of murder and things like that. However, they still are able to have a second chance. And right. the reason why I say that is because back when you were 17, you wasn't obviously given an opportunity at that time. Now, you're a free man in 23, but your past, as we like to use the phrase, still haunts you. Would you say that I'm wrong or right? And I'm not speaking of bringing up what happened back when you were 17, but that gun law has prohibited you from um, actually owning the firearm. So, and, and I'm putting words in your mouth. You tell me if I'm wrong, but that's still hunting your past because you cannot move on from that fact. You cannot legally go into the county sheriff's office and say, you know what? My life's changed. Matter of fact, I got the same key. I can unlock your door to your office, but can I 
sheriff, have a gun? Can you, with your powers granted by the state, can I possess a gun? And the answer is, in 23, it's still no. Legally, it's still no. So what say you as we wrap up? And I want to thank the guest, um, Julio Samel or Samoum. How, how do you like to always say it? I know that we always get it mixed up at church. Anyways, we just say J. Julio. You pronounce it the right way. So all the listeners around the country will know when you see Elder Julio. It is Julio Simuel. Simuel. Yes, man. Let me tell you, Thomas. Um, I have absolutely had a ball here. Um, and I told you for um, for media and informational purposes, it's exactly uh, what I got out of it. Um, it was um, it exactly what I what I felt like I needed to uh, hear. Um, you know, when you venture into, um, when I started my business, um, I started with um, um, a commercial cleaning. Mm -hmm. I was taught that at a younger age. Um, but when I started with commercial cleaning, um, there's things you try your hand at before you just get out there. Um, before you just really just say, okay, um, before I go and get an EIN number, before I go and call uh uh, and get some insurance. Uh, let me just try my hand. Let me see what people say about it. Um, that's what this platform, your platform, thank God for uh, um, uh, straight talk and real talk. Uh, thank God for real talk. Um, that's what this platform gave me the opportunity to do, um, is get a feel, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the negative, and the positive, um, the gray, all that is appreciated because it helps build um, the case that I'm trying to uh, convey to those who can actually get it in front of um, uh, the appropriate people or the people who can actually make something out of it. Um, and I thank you, man. I thank you for this, this time and space. Um, I thank you for your platform, man. Uh, of course, I'm, I know this thing will be the last time I'm coming on here. Not at all. <laughs> you will be back. Hey, look, a big shout outs to uh, uh, Reese Weaver. Big shout outs to Rhonda Jackson. Uh, listening, all those others that are chimed in and uh, those viewers uh, that's online and watching. Also, man, we thank each and every one of y'all. Um, you helped build uh, the case. Um, for uh, uh, what we're talking about. You help build it. And how do you help build it? Because uh, you've been attentive. Mm -hmm. um, you're actually taking the time out to hear it. And just you taking the time out to hear it is enough for a, a pursuer like me to put it in front of some other people. Um, because clearly, um, I know you could have did uh, had some other better things to do with your time uh, tonight. But you chose to log on and uh, to real talk, and we greatly appreciate it. I greatly appreciate it because it, it motivates me to uh, it, it it actually propels me to my next level in this venture. Mm -hmm. um, uh, um, um, and, uh, of course, I know this again. Like I said um, previously, that this won't be the last uh, time we talk. Um, 
uh, on this stage. Um, and hopefully um, we will have uh, some uh, progressive news uh, because um, this is very important. Um, it literally goes over people's head who has the right, who have never had, you know, who have never been to jail, who have never been convicted of anything. It literally goes over their head because you already had a right, so you don't know what you're really missing. <coughs> That's you know? right. Um, it's one <coughs> thing to it's one thing to not have. fame, cars, homes, and all that. But it's a big thing when you cannot protect it legally. What's the use if I have a whole castle here, but I legally couldn't protect it? That's what I want to leave you guys with. Um, uh, help us with this fight. Um, again, I'll, uh, listen, we're going to be calling on you uh, again. Keep in touch with the with the podcast. Keep in touch with Real Talk. Check in because we're going to be sending some things out. Uh, of course, if you um, are excited about the next the next level in this venture, um, stay tuned. Um, touch bases with uh, either either uh, uh, Anton Thomas or myself, Samuel. I would love you. Thank you again. May God's trust blessings be upon each and every last one of y'all. Where Thank can they you. find you at, Julio? Hey, man, I am on LinkedIn with Julio Samuel. I am on uh, 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 YouTube, I guess. Um, uh, all of us, Julio Samuel. I'm in the email, Junos at gmail.com. That's J-E-K-N-W-S at gmail.com. And of course, at Miles since I got the platform, shout out to my business, Juno's Home Improvement. We're doing big things. We're doing it from the ground to the roof. Uh, I like again, it. Since we love you. Thanks again, Antoine, for this time and space, man. I pray that, uh, that God continue to bless you and the show. It's very informative, and that's what we uh, that's what we need to get out of out of these uh, uh, platforms is to be informed. Because what some of the stuff that was said tonight, I'm sure that some folks haven't heard it or no one spoke it out out, out loud. Um, and that's what we're trying to. That's the way we're trying to to ride. We're just trying to ride ride that carpet right there. Of have you heard this part? Have you looked at it this way? Have you seen it this way? Does it? Does, it should now does it affect you differently? Does it change your view? Does it change your view and your stance on uh, who should be legally able to protect their property and their life and their homes and their family? Love you, man. We go on and on, man. You are what we wanted to discuss today. Which is why I gave you a big, huge, uh, unlike if you go back and see many guests, give them a lot of time to talk, but I gave you an extra amount and kind of built that around you because this is uh, about you. And you are the one in those shoes, in that chair, who are dealing with this. So I wanted people to hear from your heart, the passion, 
And that is why, of course, I interjected and brought some legal things out in my opinions and my experience. But I wanted the Real Talk listeners to hear from you. And I believe that you were able to, well, I know you were able to uh, not only uh, convey, but portray that passion. And, and, and guess what? If we were judges right now, had the power to grant you those rights back, I believe everybody on this show would give those powers back to you. You have pleaded your case, and you did a beautiful job at it. And I want to say you're right. You will be on the show for many more episodes. I've enjoyed you being on. Uh, I want you to stay there for a moment. We'll wrap it up in the end, and I'm going to get us out of here. But you hang tight for just a second. Um, and at the end of the day, what we see here on Real Talk is that we always speak the truth here. You already know that we're never going to give you a watered-down um, segment. But this is, unfortunately, the last episode in Season 4. We're moving on to Season 5 that will be coming to you shortly. I don't know what the next episode will be yet. But I guarantee you it's going to be something that you are going to want to stay a part of, something that you're going to want to stay tuned for. And so we're going to be wrapping up. This show is long today, but it's very much... I hadn't done an hour and a half show in a couple months, so I'm grateful for this. And sometimes... An hour and a half show is much needed, but I've talked enough. I've said enough. And as I always say here on Real Talk, I am your host, Officer Thomas. You need to always reach one and teach one. And my prayers always, you know that, I'm going to say it every time, is that, Lord, you will continue to bless our United States of America. No matter how imperfect we are, we still love being in the land, okay, um, where it is so much opportunity, the home of the brave, the land of the free. We are happy to be in the home of the braves, and we're happy to have a great country. We're happy to have a great military, and for that, we pray for our military. We pray for our uh, president of the United States that things will get back on track. We pray for all of our elected officials and we definitely pray for the men and women that are serving in blue, as I always said. And until next time, until we meet again, I'll say this to you. I am your host, and this is Real Talk. Good night.